0: Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and let our individually selected agents earn your business. realestateagentsitrust.com
1: This Irishman stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Good afternoon, America. Happy Saturday to you. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host, as always, Jonathan Dunn. I hope you're having a lovely, relaxing Saturday afternoon. Or whatever day it is that you happen to listen, listen to this podcast. Um, today's going to be a bit of a heavy show um, because there's many issues that we need to discuss. Um, but before we do, I want to have a big shout out to uh, New Hampshire. Um, you had your primary this week, and going by the media, Ted Cruz won because he came in third place, right? Um, it's the media always. I always find the media funny, even people who call Fox right-wing, how one week someone who comes in third is the big winner and is the story of the week and is all over all the media. And then the next week, the person who comes in third is like, eh, eh, well, what are you going to do? If that doesn't show there's an agenda in the media, I don't know what does. Today's show, I want to break down some of the arguments that happened in the debate last Saturday. In New Hampshire, because there were certain key points that need to be addressed and need to be addressed in the strongest possible way because your future is at stake right now. One thing that is clear with the election results in New Hampshire is one thing on both sides of the aisle people are not happy if you remember a couple of weeks ago actually it was a couple of months ago before Christmas I did a show about Mizzou and how it was an opportunity I want to remind you of the philosophy I said behind that because it's, I've experienced this time and time again in, in places like Ireland and in Europe when things get bad it's an opportunity and we need to look at everything through a lens of opportunity Because what happens in Ireland is bad things happen. The politicians make promises. They'll sell you all these dreams and just elect me and everything will be great. And we'll live in utopia and employment will be full. Economy will be great. Health will service will be wonderful. I'll give you all these benefits and everyone will be happy. They sell you this utopia of this dream where... People are singing Kumbaya and Farajaka in the streets and everything is just swell. But then they get elected and they have to be held accountable. And the funny thing about communists and socialists is at some point the piper has to be played has to be paid, sorry, not played, paid. At some point even the most ardent communist wants results. They want what they've been sold. And what happens is, you get to that point, and they never hit utopia. They never will get to the point of where everything is swell. Communism and socialism does not work. You want to look around the world. Look at all the different governments. From Ireland to Europe to Australia to England to North Korea to Iran. Look at all the socialist, communist, dictators, countries. That's just today, but throughout the history of the world. Name me one successful one. Name me one time communism or socialism worked. It doesn't. It never has. It never will. So what happens is, eventually, discord and unhappiness and uneasiness and sometimes hatred will grow in society. Because they'll say to the politicians, you said to me... If you elect me, you'll give me A, B, and C. And you'll do A, B, and C. You haven't done it. And an election is called. That's your time for opportunity. Because what will happen is there will be someone who will be even more extreme. More government. Will b- promise bigger and better things. And will sell them a new pipe dream. And eventually, they'll fail. Now the opportunity is, you can either promote a freedom agenda and push yourself back to the quote-unquote right, or you can keep going further and further down the utopian path. Sadly, that is the path that Ireland and England and Europe and Australia has followed, and Canada, they keep following going harder and harder and harder towards the government. We need to address these issues and put forward an argument to win the argument, to put forward a freedom agenda, not based on parties. I'm not a cheerleader. I'm not putting my pom-poms on for any candidate, any party. I will put my pom-poms on all day long for freedom. If you want someone to put pom-poms on for a candidate, I suggest you go elsewhere. I'm not here for Donald Trump or Ted Cruz or Marco Rubio or anybody. I'll tell you who I don't like. I won't even put my pom-poms on for the good old-fashioned GOP. No, those days are gone. It's time to put the pom-poms on for your country, for the Constitution, for freedom and for your people. But there was a very interesting exchange which I want to spend some of today's show talking about last Saturday... And sadly, the person who was actually right on the stage, who actually has the right opinion, was decimated. If you've, read, if you've listened to the debate, it was the exchange between Marco Rubio and Chris Christie. The exchange where Marco Rubio said that we need to stop kidding ourselves that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing, that Barack Obama is incompetent, that Barack Obama is a fool. And Chris Christie disagreed with him. And decimated him. And that's a sad thing for the arguments. On the side of freedom. But I'm going to try and put that argument right. I find this. I find it either. Very foolish. I'm going to choose my words very carefully here. Very foolish. Or you're part of the problem. If you don't see Barack Obama. His well intent his intention to do what he's wanting to do. It isn't true stupidity or foolishness or he's crap at his job. It's true agenda. When he said in two I'm wanna start the fundamental transformation of America, he meant it. Those words were chosen very, very carefully. He wasn't just going, Well, I'm just gonna go along and I'm just going to see what I can do. It would be virtually impossible from a a statistics point of view for him to be this wrong on that many issues. He would be the unluckiest man in the world if he was purely incompetent. He really would be. Because he's on the wrong side of every issue. Every issue. Name me one issue he's on the right side of. Where he's on the side of the people. Where he's on the side of freedom. Where he's on the side of good, moral, upstanding people. He is wrong on each and every issue. That's by design. Because people like Barack Obama... ...see the world very differently. People like Chris Christie... ...see the world very different. Mm. It's funny... In many ways, Barack Obama and Chris Christie are very similar. Because you can say, oh, John, one's a Democrat and one's a uh, progressive and one's a, a Republican. You can put any lamb's clothing on you want. We need to win the argument that says, you know what, it doesn't matter about party labels. It matters about your ideology. Are you for the people or are you for government? That is the fundamental question of the day. What do you believe in? What do you want to empower? What do you want to fight for? Do you want to fight for the individual? And fight for freedom? And fight to teach people how to fish? Or do you want to fight for government? For empowering governments and bureaucrats and supreme courts and politicians And giving people a fish each and every day for the rest of their lives. If you boil it down to just that issue, that simple principle, the vast majority of people who are running for president in 2016 are pretty similar. There is very little difference between Barack Obama, Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, Chris Christie, John Kasich, Donald Trump, They all want to seek to empower government or run government a better way. We need to answer this argument. And so today, as I was researching for this show, I said, How can I put this argument to you in in the best possible way? How can I give it to you so it's simple and easy for everyone to understand? And as I was thinking, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go one step further. I'm not going to talk to you about socialism today. I'm not going to even talk to you about utopianism. Today I'm going to talk to you about Karl Marx. Because there's this perception that Marxists are so much worse than socialists. They are because they believe in killing people and they will... Butcher millions upon millions and millions of people to get their way. But when you strip that back and you take that and you just put it to the one side just for one minute. It's not a small thing, it's a pretty big thing. But you just put it aside. What's the end game for socialists, progressives as you call them, and mar- Marxists? Utopia. Total government. Total empowerment of the government. So for today's show, I'm going to read you some of Marx's own words in apparently one of the most influential pamphlets ever written, the Communist Manifesto. I'm going to read some words to you, his own words, and then at the back of the Communist Manifesto, there are 10 things Karl Marx wants to promote, and I'm going to read those 10 things out to you, and I want you to, as I'm reading them, ask yourself a question. Has any of these happened in America? Are any of the candidates on the stage on either party talking about them? Or wanting to stop them? Or even knowing that, yeah, they're there? Or is it all total incompetence that you've come to this point? Is it just incompetence that you let four men die in Benghazi? Or was it something more sinister? Was it just incompetence that you're no longer allowed free speech in many places where you have politically controlled speech where you can be targeted for your speech you can lose your job for your speech was it just incompetence when people were in Houston were saying to pastors you know submit your sermons before you give them was it incompetence when the media became complicit and just totally cheerleaning for their candidate. Was it incompetence when they overlooked scandal after scandal after scandal. And continue to do so to this day. Was it incompetence that led to the debt growing from 9 trillion to 19 trillion dollars today. Oh yeah in case you missed it. You're now at 19 trillion. 19 trillion. You're no longer at 18 trillion. 19 trillion. 19 trillion happened the last week or ten days? Was it incompetence what happened the terrorist attack that you've had in the last eight years? Everything from Fort Hood to San Bernardino to the Boston bombings? Was it incompetence that you're now talking about these phony loopholes like the Gunshaw loophole and the South Carolina loophole and Is it incompetence that the Second Amendment is getting weaker? Is it incompetence that brought the world together to agree a climate change pact? Even though climate change happens four times a year. Is it incompetence that you now have ...more and more states sucking off the federal government's teat... ...and that the Tenth Amendment is pretty much dead in its tracks. Is that incompetence? Is it incompetence that the world is more at war today than it has ever been... ...arguably since World War Two, ...and maybe even you could make an argument that even more so than World War II... ...was it incompetence that you now have terrorist groups? It's not just Al-Qaeda, it's Al-Qaeda, the Taliban... ISIS, Or if you want to call them ISIL. Which is a big insult to one of your biggest allies. Hamas. Hezbollah. Boko Haram. Al-Shabaab. Is it incompetence that led to. The failures in Libya. The Arab Spring. In Egypt. In Syria. Iraq. Afghanistan. Was it incompetence. That led. To the growing and growing of your government? Was it incompetence that led to finally reaching the utopia dream of Obamacare? Or because conservatives would be so successful, conservatives wouldn't like that name. We'll call it the Affordable Care Act. Was that all incompetence? Was it incompetence that led to your federal uh, credit raising being downgraded? Was it incompetence that led to more and more regulations? Was it incompetence that led to Solyndra? Are you starting to see a path here yet, America? Are all these just all incompetence and just coincidences and just, well, that's just what happens. Or are you starting to see a pattern? A pattern form around that. Well, maybe it is an incompetence. Maybe, just maybe, there's an agenda behind all this. I gotta take a quick break, America. I hope you'll stick with me because I'm gonna delve into Karl Marx and his own words. I'll be right back.
1: Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn
2: on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I am on Twitter, at Freedom Disciple, at Freedom Disciple. Give me a follow, give me a tweet, tell me where you think I'm right, where you think I'm wrong. I want to make the case about America today. And I want you to, because it will be different in people's minds with different emotions and different bringing up. Of life, I'm going to lay out what Karl Marx said about communism. And I'd ask you as I'm making each point, to ask yourself in your brain, how different is America? And how, to see how far you really have fallen. I'd say it will be different for each of you. But I'm going to try and make the case with Karl Marx's own words. But before I do, I want to just break down... The way I see the world. Because I don't use the terms you use. Liberal and Republican and Progressive and, and Socialist. I, don't, I tend to get rid of all these isms. I believe that you have people on... Um, to use your language, the left. The Progressives, the Liberals, the Socialists. Who are Utopian Statists. That's what Karl Marx was. Yes, he was a Communist, but he was a Utopian Statist. And these are folks who, no matter what the issue is, no matter how big or small it is, they seek to empower the government at each and every opportunity. These are utopian status. They can be republican, they can be progressive, they can be liberal, they can be anything you want. But if they seek to empower the government at each and every opportunity, they believe in a lie. They believe in a system that has never worked, but yet has been tried so many times. Karl Marx's own words, I quote, this is not ad-lib, this is, I quote, from the Communist Manifesto. But let us have done with the bourgeoisie objections to communism. We have seen above that the first step in the revolution by the working class is to raise the proletariat to the position of ruling class, to win the battle of democracy. The proletariat will use its political supremacy to wrest by degrees all capital from the bourgeoisie to centralize all instruments of production into the hands of the state, i.e. of the proletariat organized as the ruling class and to increase the total of productive forces as rapidly as possible. What's that saying? They want to take the power. You want to know why Barack Obama... Hillary Clinton, even people like Mitt Romney make their campaigns about the middle class because the middle class is what Karl Marx used to call the working class and they all understand one fundamental point, that is where the power is and they're going to take it in the battle of democracy because what is democracy democracy? democracy is nothing more than a glorified legalized popularity contest and karl marx knew that going through democracy you get credibility you get leg- you get recognized legally but there are more of them more of us than there are of them and you can influence your will through the political process that way i continue and again i quote not ad lib i quote of course, in the beginning, this cannot be effected except by the means of despotic inroads on the rights of property and on the conditions of the bourgeoisie production, by means of measures, therefore, which appear economically insufficient and untenable, but which, in the course of this movement, outstrip themselves, necessitate further inroads upon the social order, and are unavoidable as a means of entirely revolutionary the mode of production. What that means in English is, of course it'll be despotic. He even admits it. We have to make small, little inroads. We've got to promise the working class, or to use the language that you'll be familiar, the working class with little bits. And we've got to sell it to them that it's going to solve the problem. But we know it's not. But here's the thing. We need to sell these little increments, these little movements. To get them on board so that it's part of the bigger revolution. And the bigger revolution, whether it's communism, socialism, progressivism, or as I call it, utopian statism. It's to empower the government. The government will not be happy until it controls absolutely everything. So first thing I would ask you to think about. Because I'd ask you to think honestly about America today. And ask yourself, is there a war on religion? Is there a war in religion? And what has that got to do with anything? Well, I'm not religious. I, I'm, is there a war? Yeah, I'm sure there, pe- Jewish people are not treated well, but I'm not Jewish. I'm sure Catholics aren't treated well, but I'm not Catholic. It's not about religion. It's about eternal principles. Again, I quote from Karl Marx's own words. When Christians' ideas succumbed in the 18th century to rational ideas, feudal society fought its death battle with then the revolutionary bourgeoisie. The ideas of religious freedom... And, or sorry, religious liberty and freedom of conscience merely gave expression to the way of free competition within the domain of knowledge. Undoubtedly, it will be said, religious, moral, psycho- philosophical, judicial ideas have been modified in the course of his- historical development. But religion, morality, philosophy, political science, law constantly survived the change. There are besides external truths such as freedom and justice that are common to all states of society. But communism abolishes eternal truths. It abolishes all religion, all morality. Instead of constituting them on a new basis, it therefore acts in contradiction to all past historical experience. What's that saying? It's saying that he again it's in his own words. Communism abolishes eternal truths all religions all morality. I would ask you today just to focus on this point just for a minute and close your eyes and just think of America today. What are you being told by people who are left and right? Liberal and progressive, liberal and conservative, progressives. The religion ...is government. You want to take one issue just to prove this point? You look no further than the issue of climate change. Climate change... ...is not science. It is a religion for certain people. Because they are following the traditions of Karl Marx. We must remove eternal principles... ...and past experiences... You look at the climate change argument. Well, it's only SUVs and big diesel and all these planes and trains and automobiles and all these gas guzzlers. I haven't heard that word saying actually in a while. Gas guzzlers. These gas guzzlers, they're dreadful. They forget past experiences. Climate change isn't something that happened in the year 2000 or 1990 or 1980 or 1970. Climate change has been going on a long time. Climate change is not the issue for these folks. It's just purely the vehicle to get more and more power to the government. To get to Utopia. They want you to forget eternal truths. Eternal truths that, do you remember the time when there was a fear in Great Britain that the Thames was frozen for so long that how would they do trade routes? They want you to forget the eternal truths. The story of where the Mediterranean actually went dry at a time in the past. And I'm not talking, when, and these are all times before their SUVs. So it wasn't gas sizzlers or jets or big trains. They want you to forget eternal freedoms. Eternal truths. They want you to forget all religion. The only religion they want you to do is government. Look at the, how they treat people today. Look at how they solve problems. When was the last time you saw a politician on either side of the aisle? And I will stress this. This isn't just, I'm going to bash Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders. I'm going to bash anyone who does not believe in freedom. And I'm not going to bash them. I'm going to try and educate them. But you think of an issue where they said, you know what? There's a role for churches here. There's a role for the individual. There's a role for charities. There's a role for people doing good. Or is it always, well, this is a problem, and we need the local government, and we need the state government, and we need FEMA, and we need this department, and we need that department, and we need the federal government, and Obama has to sign something into law, and the Republicans need to do this in Congress, and, and da 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 da? When was the last time you spoke about the individual? To the utopian status, to the communist, to the socialist. It's all about the state. Removing every other belief. Just conform. Just conform. You need further proof? Stick with me through this break. I'll give you Karl Marx's own words. And his ten simple bullet points of what he thinks is so, a communist utopia looks like i got to take another break, America. Stick right with me. I'll be right back.
1: You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. And when he said the, that night... Of the, of the horrible
2: explosion and crash that those seven souls had slipped the surly bonds of earth to touch the face of God. It just gut-punched all of us. Powerful stuff. It reminds you of just what Reagan had as an origin.
1: Pure Opelka, Saturdays 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern on The Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. So, Karl Marx, Communist Manifesto. Ten points. Point number one. Abolition of property and land and application of all rents of land to public purposes. So what he's saying is, take all the public lands. Everything is, belongs to the government. Well, John, that hasn't happened in America. I would ask you to think about a couple of issues. And I'm not saying these are exactly like Karl Marx. This will be different to each of them. Some will be concerned. Some won't be. Some won't see it as a problem. And that's okay. I'm here making the argument. You make up your own mind. But regarding the, the state of property. First of all, you have the EPA. EPA. Yes, they don't own the title to the land. They don't have the deed in their hands. But if there's water on your land, they tell you what you can and can't do with it. If you're a farmer and there's water on your land and you decide to use it to feed your animals, to feed your livestock, you have to abide by their laws and regulations. You look at the rights, the current issue that whether it depends on your opinion of how much influence it has but the the Clive and Bundy situation and the situation most recently in Oregon about the BLM that's a big issue that's about federal control again you can say which is right and which is wrong I'm only highlighting the issues this is number one is very is troubling to me because of one issue that's in your campaign right now And not many Conservatives... People say, "Well, you're attacking Donald Trump now. I'm not, because many others haven't come out against it either. The Kelo decision, eminent domain. If you don't have a right to your own private property, what makes you think government is going to respect any of your rights? There's a reason Karl Marx made the abolition of property his first part of the Communist Manifesto. Because if you control property nothing else is off limits again I would ask you to remember your own founding fathers before there was life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, it was life, liberty and property your founders understood the role of property number two on Karl Marx a heavy progressive or graduated income tax how far away is America from that? Or is it there today? How close to you? This is a country which America, you claim to be free, yet you had in most recent history, a 90% tax rate. At a 50% tax rate. Look at you now. Even Obama this week put his final budget together, and I think it was like $2.6 trillion in tax increases. All aimed at the rich and the loopholes and the oil and the big business. It's all about getting money. Number three. Abolish all rights of inheritance. Now you can make an argument that has never happened in America. It never would happen. Maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong. What I would say is bear one case in mind. Certain countries haven't waited to get to your inheritance. They've just taken your money right now. I ask you to remember back maybe 18 months ago, 2 years ago to Cyprus. Where overnight they took 20 or 25% of your savings. Like that. Overnight it was gone. There wasn't any discussion. There wasn't, hey that's my money. Nope. Just took it. Number 4. Won't happen in America. Confiscation of property of all immigrants and rebels. It won't happen because you have a party system now that actually thinks immigrants are better than your average citizens. Again, if you want proof of this, go lack at the shows, the way your politicians talk about you compared to illegal immigrants. You're not as fertile, blah, 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 blah. Number five. Centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with state capital and an exclusive monopoly. Hmm. How far away are you from that America? Centralization of credit in the hands of the state. What's funny is when Karl Marx wrote this, he wanted to take the banks over. That didn't happen. Your banks went to the government asked to be over, with the bailouts and tarp. By means of a national bank. Well, you don't have one national bank and you don't have an exclusive monopoly like he wanted. You have lots of banks, all funded and guaranteed by the American credit. How far are you away from number five? Number six, centralization of the means of communication and transport in the hands of the state. You have state media, PBS. You're heavily regulated. They pretty much control it there is very little the government or a company can do in communication and transport without the government knowing transport you look at how many people today would make the argument hey you know the 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 subway and the rail and the metro we don't need that to be government run we should privatize that also the role of the tsa government is everywhere Extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state, the bringing into cultivation of wastelands and improvement of the soil generally in accordance with the common plan. Extension of factories. Look at what your government has done. Investing in places like Solyndra. It's not a factory, but this was written in the 1800s. Get with the 20th century. Look at how, many, how much you've invested in wind power and solar power. It's all investing for the state and the state owns it. And then the state either takes it or it regulates it out of business. This has the power. The state has the power to control everything. You want proof, remember what Obama said in 2008. Sure you can have a coal plant. It'll just necessarily bankrupt you. Very powerful words for a president to say. Number eight. Equal obligation of all to work. Establishment of industrial armies especially for agriculture. Now this is very interesting. This is actually where it's kind of funny. This is where the big difference in many ways between the modern day, using your language progressive party is, and communism. Um, Today if you don't work and you're dependent and you're on food stamps and welfare, you're You're thought of highly in the government. Under Karl Marx, you would have been called a lump of proletariat, which he had no time for. He wanted working people. But I would ask you to bear in mind just one thing. Granted, this person failed tremendously, but it was only a couple of weeks ago a certain candidate named Martin O'Malley went on the Democratic platform on a CNN town hall debate and pretty much didn't call for a draft, but said National Service. How far away do you think that is from happening? 9. Combination of agriculture with manufacturing industries. Gradual ab- uh, abolition of the distinctives between town and country county by a more equitable distribution of the more population over the country. Basically what this is saying is there are no country lines, it's by population. Is this not the United Nations? Is this not what America pays into so it can redistribute wealth? Again, you can say, well, that's not quite what he meant or the intention was different. i got no problem with it. My question, my aim of today is not to say you're a Marxist country. My aim today is to highlight Karl Marx's own words and for you to question yourself how far you've gone and how far you want to go. And lastly... Bernie Sanders, one that he hits on the campaign train all the time. Number 10, free education for all children in public schools. Well, it's not public schools anymore because, well, John, we've progressed. We've made so much progress in society. We're not talking about free schools anymore. We're talking about free community college. And when you get free community college, you'll get free college. And then you need student debt forgiveness. These are Karl Marx's own words in his own manifesto. And I want to close this section off by going back to the point of why I started this and why I use Karl Marx. Back to that debate between Marco Rubio and Chris Christie. I don't care for either individual. It's the principle of what was been discussed that's important. Please don't get caught up in the individual. One side says Barack Obama meant to do everything he has done. It's his agenda. When he said he wanted to fundamentally transform America, he meant it. And the other side, saying, no, he didn't. He's just incompetent. He's a moron. He doesn't know what he's doing. It's just just unlucky. Let me tell you something. We need to identify the problem. I don't care what you call the problem, socialism. I don't care what you call it, big government. I don't care what you call it, progressivism. I don't care what you call it, utopian statism. (coughs) Excuse me. The problem is centralized power. Empowering government. Empowering bureaucrats. Empowering politicians. You can call it whatever name you want. Barack Obama is a utopian statist a progressive, a socialist. He wants to empower government. He has a track record of doing so. Everything from when he was a community organiser all the way to the State Senate, all the way to the Senate and all the way to the White House. To think this man is incompetent. Either you are foolish or you are protecting the agenda that which he is promoting because you also believe in a big government agenda and you don't want to admit it. Which one are you? Which one is Chris Christie? I hope this breakdown of Marxism has made you think, has made you question things you believe in, has made you wake up to how close America actually is to Socialism. If you want any more proof, just look at New Hampshire. You want to know the real story out of New Hampshire? Well, there's actually two. One is Hillary Clinton in a one on one race didn't even get 40% of the vote. That's funny. Boy, to be a fly on her wall. With a bigger story, 60% of New Hampshire people who voted in the Democratic primary voted for a self-avowed, unrepentant socialist. That is a huge, huge story. And what makes it even bigger is I see all these interviews on CNN and other places with college kids and other people in different ages who don't know what socialism is. I went one step further because most people would say Marxism is worse than socialism. I went one step further. I read you Karl Marx's own words. What do you think? I'd be interested in your thoughts, America. i got to take one more quick break, and I want to come back and deal with another big issue from the last debate, which is ongoing, and it's getting a bit of discussion, and I want to let you know my opinion on it. Please stay with me. I'll be right back.
1: This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on The Blaze Radio Network.
0: up today on pat and Stu. i'm sure he'll have either a broadcast career or an acting career i mean he's great in the roles he gets for commercials could he translate that to a movie i don't know i don't know we'll see know. some have done it okay. <laughs> no no okay OJ. no and he'll never break the single season record for double murders pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m eastern on the blaze radio network
1: Freedom's Disciple, with Jonathan Dunn, On Demand, on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I hope you've enjoyed today's show and it's made you think. Before I get to the last issue of the day, who has the experience to become president, I want to take a moment out and say, um, please consider following me on social media, on Twitter at Freedom Disciple, or on Facebook um, at Freedom's Disciple. I try and share some stories of the day. I try and be funny. I try and interact with people. and I want to make this show about you. So if there's a show you want me to do or if there's a topic you want me to cover, let me know and I'll cover it. Um, But I want to make it, I know it's a bit late, but I wanted to share. I channeled my inner Madeleine Albright this week and I endorsed someone for president in 2016. I've never channeled my inner inner Madeline Albright before. It just, it just came out, you know. So I know I said I wouldn't endorse. No one cares who I think. And I don't have a horse in this race. But this was such a big deal to me. I, I had to let it be known. So I wanted to share who I endorsed. It's too late now. It didn't work out. But I think you might like my reasoning. I absolutely despise fat people who won't vote for Chris Christie. I think it's just wrong immoral and stupid. We need someone who will represent us. It's time to admit there is a war on fat people going on. Do you want some proof? Well, let's look at the White House. Look at how fat people are spoken about. Look at how Michelle Obama talks about us and wants to take away our food and our school lunch program and replace it with a salad. Since everyone is talking about the Oscars recently... Let's talk about them. I would ask you to look at the nominations for the Oscar and ask yourself, how many fat people were nominated? I personally grew up watching and loving John Candy, But who have we got today? Lastly, and this is maybe the most important point to make. Look at the history of America. Look at your politics. It's time to admit something your country has never been the same since Taft was president I think there is a problem and I think that problem is clear for everyone to see there are far too many skinny people running America today are you with me? I think we need Chris Christie in the White House because there is a war on fat people and also if you need another hashtag how about this Fat lives matter. Of course, this is a joke. I didn't endorse anyone. I definitely don't endorse Chris Christie. But I shared this. And some people actually thought I was serious. Even though underneath, I put PS, this is a joke. I think we need to have a sense of humour again. And stop seeing everything through a political lens. I had a few comments who reported, who just literally put Trump 2016, Cruz and their hound hashtag I think it's so sad that we are just so built up into I just see politics and I just want to see politics all the time that we can't have fun we need to humanize the individual at every opportunity and you want to know how powerful the message of humanizing the individual is you want proof look at Nayral's response to a dorito ad this week that is how important humanizing the individual is and that is something we must do at each and every opportunity we can and we get that's just me having a bit of fun with you trying to lighten up a very serious show but i want to finish today's show off with a serious issue or what i think is serious and I'm not attacking these two people, I don't want it to make it about these, but there was another interesting exchange last week in the debate between Chris Christie and Marco Rubio, where it was about experience. Where you have Chris Christie attacking Marco Rubio saying, you know, he's only a freshman senator, he has no experience, he's done nothing, he has no legislative experience, he hasn't had any bills... The bill he did was the Gang of Eight, and he left that after it wasn't going to pass. That what America really needs is a governor, like me. He was given his own sales pitch, but he said, it need a governor, you know, where you get up and you have to make decisions, and you have to be accountable to your people, and blah, 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 blah. If you want to have an opinion on this and say, Yes, you need a governor, or a governor's best, or a senator's best, or a, an outsider's best, no problem. But I would ask you to look at recent history. Was, Let's just use recent history. Was Ronald Reagan a great president because he was governor? Well, if that was all it took, then surely Bill Clinton was a great president as well because he was also governor of a state. Is that all it needs? Or is it more about the underlying prison? principles that go about it. Let me flip it on its head because this was a discussion that this is a sentence that should have been said during the debate where he was giving out about a freshman senator and America doesn't need another on the job training and blah 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 blah. Is Barack Obama a dreadful president because he's a freshman senator? If Barack Obama had served in I don't know, the Senate as long as let's say John McCain which I mean from the year dot would that all of a sudden make Barack Obama a good president? If Barack Obama had all that experience, you telling me all the GOP would be going yeah, his policies are great it isn't about the position you hold it's about your principles you either have them or you don't you either believe in the individual or you don't You either believe in freedom or you don't. You either believe in free market capitalism or you don't. You either believe in the Constitution and defend the Constitution or you don't. And if you don't believe in any of these things, let me tell you something. The last place you go to find these beliefs is Washington, D.C. Usually you go with those beliefs and they get them beaten out of you. But you want more proof. You look at the average poll. And these are usually done by university professors. So take them with a pinch of salt. But the polls that are done on college campuses of university professors. Who, who race the presidents of America. Who usually comes first, second or third in those wrists. Pretty consistently. It was Abraham Lincoln. Oh my god. Abraham Lincoln wasn't a governor. (gasps) Abraham Lincoln wasn't a senator. (gasps) Actually, if you want to be brutally honest, Abraham Lincoln was a failed politician. He only ran once. Sorry, only won once in a race in Illinois' 7th District for the House of Representatives in 1847. And guess what? He only had two years experience. Shh. Don't tell anyone. Definitely don't tell Chris Christie. Only had two years experience in the House. He didn't have a Senator's six-year term. He didn't have the experience Marco Rubio had. He had two years in the House. He left in 1849... Did many things, but then went and ran in 1860. And when he ran in 1860, he was considered at best, I mean at best, the fourth best candidate. He hadn't got a chance of winning, he was the fourth best candidate. To put that into context, last, this week, Tuesday, last Tuesday in New Hampshire, Abraham Lincoln was Jeb Bush. Just let that sink in for a minute. In terms of New Hampshire, Abraham Lincoln, when he ran, was Jeb Bush. How much chance do you think Jeb Bush has of winning? But look at him. He went on to become one of your greatest ever presidents. Even liberals talk about Lincoln. Huh. Maybe it's not to do with the position. Maybe it's to do with the principles. Maybe it's to do with your character. Maybe it's to do with the value and the emphasis you put on the important things in your life. Whether it's empowering government or empowering people. Maybe it comes from your inner soul and your core. Not where you've worked. I'll also use this on the flip side which will, which annoys some of my friends. And I, I'm okay with that. My friends who are very conservative, and some of them have recently pointed out they have a problem with the current GOP field because not one of them has served, with the exception of Gilmore. Huh. Again, I get you want that common representation and you think the military needs a a good commander-in-chief. I get that. But here's the thing, and I'll use recent history for you. Are you telling me right now what the military needs and what America needs is another John McCain? Is that what the answer is? Because I don't think so. I stand with your military but I don't think military experience it would be nice it would be lovely to have but it's principles that are needed right now. A belief in your system in your system of freedom Your system of the Constitution. Sometimes I don't think America realizes how lucky you are. I really don't. You have one of the greatest written documents as your founding document in your Declaration of Independence and your Constitution. And I don't think you appreciate them sometimes. It's those beliefs, standing up for them. A job title, whether it's in the military, whether it's your role in politics or whether it's a job title. They're just job titles. Oh wow, you're a CEO of this company, well done. Now tell me about your values. This is just me, you might feel different and that's okay. But I wish you would look deeper and start looking at the principles and the issues, not just the the, the clothes and the cover of the argument. Oh, he was a senator, oh I can't vote for a senator, I need a governor. Come on America, you're much better than that. I know you are. I wanna thank you for tuning in to today's show. I hope you've had a bit of fun. I hope you've asked yourself some tough questions and I hope you've enjoyed the everything that I've laid out for you, from Karl Marx to Abraham Lincoln. That's actually quite interesting. I never thought I'd do a show that I talk about Karl Marx and Abraham Lincoln. They're totally different characters. Anyway, that's that's a conversation for another day, in America. I hope you have a lovely weekend. As always, I salute your heroes in society your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, your vets. And most of all, I salute you, the great American people. You will be the solution to your problems because there is no problem facing your nation right now that you, the people, cannot fix. God bless you. Godspeed. And I'll see you next week.
1: Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network.